G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. This is the uh, first episode for 2023 um, and on this episode I have Dano Hunts, um, the founder of High Country Hunting Gear. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good thanks, Zach. And yourself? Yeah, good thank you, mate. Good thank you. It's good to kick off another year and uh, got some great hunting yeah. lined up this year, so... Yeah, that's it. Another exciting year of hunting, I, I hope, so it'll be good. Yeah, last year was a bit slow, but uh, it's uh, preemptive for this year, so I'm going to be flat out <laughs> the first couple months. <laughs> yeah, I'm much the same. I've already booked my time off to when I want to go away hunting, so I'm, I'm keen as. Very nice, very nice. So do you have, apart from uh, what we spoke about earlier, Snake Island, uh, first period, you got um, anything else on the cards? Yeah, I um, probably got most of, or uh, end of March, most of April off chasing fallow. Very nice. So I'll probably do a bit of fallow chasing um, in the rut. For probably a month, might chase a bit of reds beforehand, so like late, late March, and then go on the fallow. Um, I'd love to chase some russo later in the year as well. Beautiful. Be awesome. Obviously, it's got to get access first for that and then yeah get back into the sand hunting which i do most awesome back back at home it's uh keen for that yeah i definitely need to get over there to chase chase samber again um i've been over to east gippsland once and um one of my mates over there he had a private property um so mm-hmm. we hunted parks during the day and then uh did some pest control on on the farms for uh oh, yeah. his property owners and i managed to take my first samba that way but it was first of a species, yep. but I was I was pretty stoked still. <laughs> yeah, they're big. Like you don't realise until how how big body mass they are until you you shoot one. If you shot, let's say, like you used to shoot fallow and you go shoot a samba, it's a massive difference. Oh, that's exactly. I went from shooting fallow to shooting a samba, and it's just like wow. I shot a small yeah. small stag, and you know, a year and a half, maybe two year yeah. old, and it's just yeah, no <laughs> no size comparison especially when you realise that they're the third largest deer species in the world. Yeah. And when you hunt fallow, like, I'm not sure about you, but you can basically take the whole whole thing out, all the legs and, and back straps and if not the whole whole carcass. But with a sand, like, one leg is huge. Like, yeah. It's back legs, all you're taking and some back straps, you're doing multiple trips. It's a, they're big animals. Yeah, I'm lucky the uh, properties I hunt, I can pretty much get the gar to the animals I drop or if not really close. So yep. there's uh, not much walking them out, thankfully. <laughs> Perfect. So where are you from, mate? Uh, originally from, yeah, Wodonga. So nice. Northeast Victoria. Very nice. So basically on the, so Wodonga is um, Victoria and then Albury's New South Wales, so right on the border there. Yeah, very nice. I, um, 
had a mate just he moved over there a few years back and then moved back a couple years later but he um spoke highly yeah. he he enjoyed it <laughs> yeah good it's it's good enough and most things are in like driving distance so we've got so the Murray River you got the, the weir you got the snowfields you got the high country uh, Melbourne's and Sydney aren't that far um, and the town kind of has enough to keep us happy I guess. Yeah, he was um, living, I think, Victoria side and working New South Wales side. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was me. I, I, so I live, I live out of town now, um, about half an hour longer, and then I work in Albury, which is New South Wales. Very nice. So speaking of that, what do you do for work? Uh, previously plumbing, um, but now I just do the quoting and sales side of it, so... Been doing that for nearly nine years now. Fair enough. So nice. it's more in like heating and cooling, so air conditioning, refrigeration, um, all that kind of stuff in new homes, commercial, uh, basically anything that needs air conditioning. Very nice. Must keep you busy, especially this time of year. Uh, flood out. That's why I basically work most through Christmas because we haven't had it hot yet. And everyone seems to have their breakdowns and whatnot. So I'll just give the boys a hand on the tools just to get some jobs done. Yeah. Which has been a while, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> that um, it seems the aircon doesn't break until you need it. <laughs> yeah. Bloody pain. But um, I'm lucky I always got air conditioning. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Mine's cranking right now. It's pretty warm over here in Adelaide today and the rest of this week. Yeah. But... We've been pretty spoiled yeah. for uh, weather. It's been, pr- you know, mid to high 20s most of the Christmas break, yeah. where it's oh, usually yep. 35 to 40. <laughs> yeah. We're still getting, I'm not sure about you, but we're still getting cold mornings. Like, it's still around, like, 10 degrees, 10 to 15, which is pretty pretty good. Yeah, up, nice. and, up until recently, yeah. Yeah, this week's been a bit warm. It was, uh, I think, about 27 yeah. when I got up this morning. Um but yeah, that's, the amount of feed around um, still at the moment is crazy. My folks live up in Adelaide Hills, and just driving through there, yeah. the patches of green grass around everywhere still is yeah. just incredible. Fair bit of growing around here, which is good. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, because of all this feed, there's going to be some nice fallow heads around this year. Not that I'll get to chase them with how busy I'll be, but <laughs> yeah, I'm to chasing local ones. I've seen some real good ones at home just before they dropped. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to put a bit of work into the local ones before I go, I'm like say New South Wales when I chase them for the rut. Nice. So do you rattle or do you call or are you just uh, spot and stalk? Uh, just depends what time it is and what situation. I'm in more, more of a spot and stalk. Um, but in the rut, mostly call them in, yeah. Nice. So are you rattling them or oh, are you... Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, or, or like your, your, your caller. Yeah. I find rattling a lot of the, depending when it is, you get a lot of the, what they call the satellite bucks. Yeah. You probably know, like the small bucks. It's hard to get those big fellas in. Um, I, I found with rattling, but just depends what, what time it is. Yeah, it's something I need to work on. I'm, I haven't been the, too successful in rattling or calling at all. All my success has pretty much been spot and stalk. Yeah, yeah. 
I like doing that. You, I like to if you hit the time right, you just hear the croaks and you head towards them and lay eyes and say, "Yep, that no, that's not what I'm looking for," and then keep moving on. And that's basically what I done last year. Beautiful. Probably went about an absolute crack, and I'm missed from sixty, and I'm still spewing about him. <laughs> yeah, I've uh... no. Yeah, unreal. Missed a, missed a couple of nice deer with the bow. Um, but, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a part of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't believe it. It's just, yeah, still kicks me. Oh, it always will. It plays plays back just before. <laughs> as you're closing your eyes going to sleep, it, it just plays over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how did you get into hunting and fishing and the outdoor lifestyle? Um, always loved being outside, like we were always camping and whatnot when I was younger, um, and then flicking the bow around, I don't know, when I was maybe 12 to 16, just just for some fun, trying to shoot rabbits and whatnot up the bush, and then when I turned 18, because I was a fair bit into deer hunting, he hadn't done it long, and I just basically just jumped along with him and probably hunted with him for about a year and then he kind of fell out of it and I just kept continuing by myself and then started to connect through people through like Instagram and local deer associations and making new friends with that and finding out more local people doing it and then just finding yeah more friends to go with basically which is good so I do a lot by myself but then I've got a lot of mates that I go with now and um, hunt with but yeah I was just initially just going with my cousin and just fell in love with it then and just so it's probably, yeah, it's been seven or eight years now. Very nice. So not a long time. Heaps to learn, which I love going with the older blokes because they just teach you so much. And I'm all for what they've got to say and tweak things or do things better because there's always so much to learn, especially when you think you figure them out and they, they something else happens. And as you know, like Sam are renowned for it. Just like that- they're just completely day after another. Yeah, just that season change, just that, like, you'll just start patterning them and then that season changes yeah. and then they just change their whole routine. It's like, damn it. Yeah, it's just unreal. So, yeah, seven, eight years into hunting deer, you've um, had some incredible, incredible hunts, man. Um, how old were you when mm. you took your first deer and what was it? Uh, it would have been, uh, been 18. It would have been, yeah, San Bateau. Yeah, I, could, I remember it was in... I reckon it was in February. It was like 35, something ridiculous. We went out and we, we shot it, and it was in the steepest gully possible, <laughs> trying to carry this down. Like, this is awesome. I love it. And we were just sweating bullets and not worrying about snakes, nothing. I was just so wrapped. I couldn't believe it. And it was probably, like, didn't have the best gun. It was probably maybe 150 metres, and I couldn't believe it. I hit it. I'm like, <laughs> just like, yeah, <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, those uh, first nerves when you're yeah sighting sighting up a uh, deer can get the best of you. <laughs> yeah, rock on the spot. I was below it. I was pretty over the moon, and I was hooked it from from that moment. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my first uh, deer was a fallow doe with a bow. Just a absolute fluke of the thing. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. step forward and you're released. Yeah. Um, so what type of gear are you running with? Are you hunting with rifles, bows? Um, yes. Basically, when I turned 18, I got my gun license, as most do. 
and been hunting with that ever since until probably a couple months ago. I picked the bow back up. And the reason for it is because, like you said, snake on. I really, because I shot a pretty good deer with my gun last time and I'd love to get one with the bow. So I've been, pretty good. I went up with Brad Murphy, Brad Murphy the um, bow the bow coach. Um, if you've heard of him before yep, on yep, well, Instagram, Brad. bit of time with him. Uh, tweaks and things up and just been shooting it flat out since then. There's no trying to get the confidence up before I go. There's no better person to uh, get you into the into the archery and bow hunting community than Brad Murphy getting you all sorted. So yeah. um, no doubt yeah, you no. you right. have success following all of those that help. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Because I've shot bows before up for a while. I'm like. I don't want to just start flicking it back and create bad habits. I want to just go to him, tweak things. He can help me set my bow back up and, and whatnot. And Ian Summers, another bow legend, set set the bow up for me. And, Beautiful. Um, yeah, just went two hours with him, tweaked it. Like just working him, just pulling it back properly and all that kind of stuff, just getting it right. So um, now I'm feeling more confident, just getting further and further back and trying to get those groups good and whatnot. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, what bow are you running? Uh, it's a, a, a Cure Elite. Okay, yep. So, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good bow. I love it. It's quiet, really quiet. Very nice. Um, what's your Arrow Broadhead um, setup? Um, I've got... So, Brad put me onto the Heat Seekers. Yep, very nice. The... I think they're 350 shafts, and then I'm running the 125 Kyoga Broadheads. Is that the uh, pilot cuts, or are you using the Zots? Or? The ones that they've got the inserts, I'm not sure what they're called. Yeah, I think uh, you know, they're, they're, the broad, they're the kind of the triangle. Yeah. yeah. I think they're, I don't know, second gen or something like that. I can't remember what they're yeah, called. Yeah, very nice. Now, Kyoga. I've shot a deal with it. You bro- you broke up there. You you said you hadn't shot a deer with it. Oh, and I haven't shot it. Yeah, I haven't shot a deer with it yet. So if I go to Snake on and I shoot one, it'll be the first deer for the bow. So that'll, that'll be um, that'll be pretty. Cool. That'll be incredible. <laughs> Not many people can say their first deer with a bow is a hog deer. Yeah, so it'll be a uh, be a good one. <laughs> Just take yeah. it all on there, you know. Yeah, that that start, start from the start from the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be um, it would have to be some type of record um in Australia, the first <laughs> first person to take a hog deer with a bow as first of species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one I've I've already shot a good good one. I thought uh, like the chances are gone twice of that. Slim, so I thought, oh, well, why not just try to take a bow twice in three years? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A few blokes aren't impressed, but I guess it's just the luck of the draw. Yeah, I was, I was speaking to one bloke in South Australia, and um, he said that he took 25 years to draw. Yeah, well, a few of the guys in my period I've talked to, um, some of them are nearly the 30. Some are fifteen and thirty. It's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I was um 
on the podcast joking around with one of the guests. I'm just like, what's the chances that this year I'm going to draw it when I've got New Zealand less than a month after? Like I was, I was sweating bullets thinking that, you know, my chances of drawing it when I'm supposed to be in New Zealand. <laughs> and yep. I was very lucky drawing a second period Snake Island. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about rifle? What rifle, what caliber are you running? Um, I was always a three oh eight man. Um, basically since I started, just loves the caliber. It's a gun that can basically do anything I found. Um but I'm not, not sure if you've seen that I won last year in the part of our Australian Deer Association for our local branch, I won a seven mil rem mag. Oh, very nice. Um hour hundred and then yeah, I've been shooting that. So that's um a really nice gun. Turned you off of the three oh eight for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I've gone from the the old Toyota Corolla to the Rolls Royce for that thing. <laughs> the house house set up with a Suarez scope and whatnot. Where this other gun was just purely a bush gun. So very yeah, loving it. Very nice, very nice. And you said that was a Howa. Uh, uh Sauer. Oh, yep. Yeah, no, very nice. Yep, yeah, Sig Sauer. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful gun. Um, yeah, yeah, nice. So, what type of gear are you taking out on a standard day hunt? Um, always take it, me backpack, Bono harness with me, um, Bono's, just Vortex. Bono's, um, always take water, obviously. I don't take a lot of food, to be honest, because I'm not usually out there that off that, that much. I just take a couple snack bars. Um, depending on the weather, if it's like now, I'll always wear the gators. Don't like to stand on those wriggly creatures. <laughs> um, depending on how clear areas are, potentially shooting sticks. So if I'm on maybe property, it's fairly open country, I'll potentially take shooting sticks. Um, if not, obviously rest on a tree if, if you're not confident. Um and obviously my camo gear, my boots. Boots are a massive thing. I was always, when I started, just wearing work boots. And once I got a um, set of proper hunting boots, it, just, it was a game changer. It does. It definitely does change. Um, touching on the snake gators, do you reckon they're um, vital for Snake Island? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, big time. There's a lot of tiger snakes over there, so... Yeah. Um, a few blokes when I went last and some brown snakes as well. So there's a fair few over there. I was lucky enough not, not to see one, but I think I was the only one that didn't. So yeah, sweet. I got um big high 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 ones from Huntex, <laughs> so I've got them in the pack ready to go. <laughs> Two legs, hoodie socks, your pants, um, gaiters. You, you'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's all good. Snakes don't bother me too much. Uh, so as long as I don't have any run-ins with a grumpy one, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what kind of binos are you running? Um, they're Vortex. I'm not sure if they've got me. Maybe 10 by 42 or something like that. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Is, are they... Vortex are probably your best bang for buck quality-wise. What, um, what type of Vortex are they? 
Diamondback oh, I'm sword. Sure, I think the black something. Okay. Yeah, yep. Diamondback. That's it. Yeah. Yep, very nice. Very nice. They um, they, they would have to be the most common answer for four binos that I've um got on the podcast. Just yeah, they're they're, they're very affordable yeah. range and great quality. So. Well, if you look at those compared to Suarez and like the price difference is enormous, but I don't feel the quality is matches that. Yeah. I understand obviously they've got the range finders, they've got better opticals for say first light and last light, but honestly they I can't justify the difference for the cost. Yeah. No, like that's... they might get you what next ten minutes first light and last light and they've got they've got the range finders in it, but I just run a third party range finder so yeah, same, same. So, yeah, that it seems that they um, do seem to be the best bang for the buck. What about uh, um, Bino Harness? What are you running there? Um, I've got the Bushbuck. Bushbuck, very nice. They, uh, yeah, it's bloody really good. I love it because it's, it's got a magnet. When the old, I had the Vortex when I come with the Binos and it was always like a... That little cable, yeah, yeah. I, I hated that. Where <laughs> this you can flip up, which is I love it. Yeah, I've got I've got the Vortex one. That was the first bino harness I started off with, and yeah, that that little stretchy cable's a bastard. Um, but oh. I've got the uh, Badlands, the Badlands one now with the magnets in it, and it's so much better. It just yeah. pops up, clips clips straight in, nice and snug. And it's quiet and it's easy. So, yeah, like if someone's out there looking at harnesses and you're not sure what to get, look at something that definitely has magnets because it's just so easy to flip it up and out. And they're strong magnets. Don't feel like they're going to fall out because you think magnets aren't strong, but they're really, yeah, really good. Yeah, mine's even got a warning on the inside of it. If you have a pacemaker, do not use this. <laughs> yeah. Just for the magnets in it. <laughs> So, what type of pack do you have? What's your your main hunting pack? Oh, it depends on the day, to be honest. Um, I've got heaps of backpacks. It's probably most guys do. Um, I actually won. It was a hunter's element competition, and I won one of their backpacks. Oh, it's not it's not big, mate. Maybe thirty liters, whatever their range is. Um, I run that usually, or I've got a Ridgeline one, I've got a Spiker, I've got a few different size ones. I've got a a small lock dry pack for um, the Spiker, like if I'm only going for a couple of hours. just depends, yeah. on, honestly, where I'm going or how long. Or I don't have a big um, like backpacking backpack yet, like a big overnight yeah. thing, which I'd love to um, get eventually when I do more backpacking up the high country. What um, pack did you take over to Snake Island with you? How many litres was that? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I think I just took a small pack, to be honest, because I'll try to reduce my weight as much as possible. So I, did, I had my bino harness, and the most of the stuff I took in it, like a Pelican case with, with all my, um, my camping gear and things. Because I was just walking to and from my hunting spot, I didn't really need a lot of the a lot of the essentials you would need. Obviously, yeah. if you're stalking or whatnot in the bush, so I just took like a harness. I took the pack, 
and then just say like knives and tall paddock or bit of food, water, and that's it. Speaking of um, walking from hunting spot to camp, how far are you uh, camping away from the hunting spot when you're over there? Uh, oh, it would be a couple of k's. I the first day I initially done twenty six k's all up, just getting in set up to my spot. That's crazy. Which was an absolute mission and a half. <laughs> Dragging tra- tra- my little trolley here. Um, oh, probably three k's maybe. Yep. yep. From camp to to my spot, which this year I've worked out probably more like three and a half four k's to the to where I want to hunt. So that's one way. So it's probably going to be, yeah, maybe eight k's a day. Yeah, just going to and from. That's right. At a limit, scent and noise and stuff like that. So you're not blowing out your yeah your spot. Yeah, well, I I look at it as um, I I camped inland last last time, which was good, but it was a mission getting out with the deer, all my gear, everything trying to pull it all out, whereas this year I went to camp on the Gulf. Yep. So all my gear's there. So once I've shot the deer, it's just the deer coming out. It's going to be heaps easier um, and less time, all that kind of stuff. Going to take a rod with you this time to try and catch some seafood for for a bit of nutrition while you're Yeah, um, I think in my downtime, I'm just going to look for casties because I didn't get a chance last time, so... I'd love to find a cast here over there. It would be pretty awesome. I'll top it off. Oh, man. I think. If, if I can shoot anything <laughs> bigger than a spike and find a casty, that would be my trip made. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it's either looking for casties or tanks. Yeah. <laughs> so what about, um? what was your camp set up over there? What, what type of, were you just in a fly camp? Did you? Yeah, well, the mozzies and sand flies are bloody ridiculous over there. So I just honestly had this little Oz Trail tent, which was like packed down tiny as. I think it was about $100 maybe BCF I brought it from, and that thing was unreal. Like, yeah, I'll beautiful. take it again. Beautiful. Really easy. It's got the, the wings on either side, so I could put my gear in. Um, really lightweight. I thought that thing was awesome because I was going to buy a real flash, um, like high country one. Yeah up the bush and I just found out like, oh, I'll give it a go and it bloody worked and then a mate took it as well so it's, this would be its third trip to Snake Island oh beautiful and that was $100 trail what about <laughs> cooking in that just a jet boil while you're over there and I didn't last time I don't feel the other guys did and I probably will this time I honestly just took snacks Okay. I wasn't there I was there purely hunting I didn't worry about food too much I just took Nuts and bars, um, all these like snacks. Honestly, I wasn't worried about the meals I was eating. I was focused on hunting. That's uh, flat out. So some was, serious dedication. I I struggle struggle yeah. hunting it hunting if I'm too hungry. <laughs> well, one of the guys took an esky full of beers right into like the, into mainland as well. So he trekked them a long way, <laughs> uh, which is good because when I shot me beer, the beer off him, so I was bloody wrecked. Right. Yeah, I might have had to put a flask or something it. in for for when I shoot something. <laughs> if I shoot something, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about water? How much uh, how much water were you taking over there? Did you take over there with you? 
Yeah, I think on top, I'm not sure off the top of my head what it is. I think it's that the human needs what I think it's three liters a day or something like that. So I worked that out. I took I think twenty liters. Yeah. So I took a berry can, which this time I want to do a bit smarter. And if you've ever been to Coles, you know the the square cardboard box with the bladder in it. Yep. Yep. Each. So I thought I'll take them because I can spread the weight easier on my cart. Okay. Therefore, uh, once they're done, I can squish them down, easier to get out. Or if I'm done, I can just cut the bladder, empty it, and hand out because I don't need the water. Yeah, beautiful. Um, that's a, that's so a that's pretty good idea. I was, I was thinking of going a um, 20 litre jerry can, so that um, might change my. Yeah. That's what I went, but it was a pain because it was awkward size. Um, and then the weight, it's too much weight in one spot I found on me cart, yeah. trying to lug the cart in, where this time I can spread it. And they're tiny as, like they're, like they're 250 mil square cubes, so they're, and they're really easy, they've got good pressure in it. Whereas Jerry can, you also got to crack the top open, you got to put the handle on it. Um, these are easy as, and we use these at home as well, on the farm, so. Yeah, sweet. I might have to um, look into that. So you mentioned the uh, cart slash um, stand. What's the uh, yep? What's the uh, how'd you go setting that up? The rickshaw. Um, so last year, I half built one with another mate that was going as well. So we basically just got an A-frame ladder, put some mountain bike tires on it. Um, I spray painted it all camo. We built like a seat at the top. And um, if you ever seen like you know those tree stands with like the big footrest that you yeah. put your feet on, yeah. Uh, we used something that so it flips out. That was awesome to rest your feet on your bag, anything like that. I put hooks on it as well so I could hang all my gear off it. Yes, yeah, so it was all all there, which was good. It was off the ground. Um, if I needed anything, I could just reach over. I didn't have to get down. Um, I had a mate. He put an umbrella on his. <laughs> Which wasn't a bad. Um, trying to keep it as simple as possible. Handles. We. I also put like a. Um, what do I do? Put a like a, la- a a loop around it. So, for instance, if you got sick of pulling with your handles, you could just basically walk forward, and it would use your waist. Yeah. So if your arms got sore, pull. You'd use the the loop around to pull it through. So I'm going to use a, a different mate this time. He said he's up a bit different with that with a bit of loop and. He's got like a gun rest and whatnot, which I'll have a go at this time. Might take up the back of ours and test it a few times, see if I like it. If not, I'll take my one again. Yeah, beautiful. Um, what about attaching the wheels? How, how do you go about that? Because I'm, I've got the bits and pieces to put mine together, but um, pretty hopeless when it comes to that <laughs> building type type stuff. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, put it welded an axle through it and then made the wheels with nuts on it so you could detach the wheels off. Yeah. Uh, put the off and then when I stored it up, I just left the wheels on it. So I only took the wheels off when I was on the boat. Took a heap of spare parts, like extra bolts, cable ties, duct tape, all that kind of stuff. Because like, like if you lose bolts or whatnot, you can still make it work. Yeah. Uh, if that went to, if that um, fell to shit, I was buggered because that was all my gear on it. The deal was on it, everything. How, um, Big, do you recommend the tyres being? Um, it's all about width of because if you if you think um, like a game trail, 
that's all there kind of is on the tracks over there. So you want wide wheels because there's a lot of tussock. So initially I had my wheels nice and tight, so the width of the ladder. But what would happen is I hit the tussocks and it would want to tip. So I went wider. So I actually went over the tussock, which seemed to work better. So a wider wheelbase was better. It didn't matter necessarily on the tyre. The um, I've seen guys that had like BMX tyres, but they had the width, so they worked really well in the sand. Yeah, cool. Um, I tyres which were a bit bigger. They seemed a bit better up the hill and balancing-wise. Um, I think it's just basically building one and testing it a lot before you go over there, testing what I tested mine heaps of times of how I could set my gear up so I could weight it right. That was good because then when I got off the boat, got to the island, I set it straight up to how I knew I wanted it and then started going, not trying to work out where things fit, all that kind of stuff. Okay, beautiful. That um, means I need to get my ass into gear to get, get mine built so <laughs> I can play around with it for a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, you just cut out a little bit there. That's all all good. Um, what would you be your top beginner tip into getting into hunting? Um, probably find someone that uh, does it or does it regularly. Find someone that you could potentially go with or um, that you know that hunts a bit and ask them if they could teach you something. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. I, I was just learning off different people. I was doing a lot by myself and you'd go talk to someone or you'd go out with someone that's willing to take you out potentially and you'll learn so much. That was probably the big game changer for me. Uh, it's probably why I like the social media side of it and that's why I like Instagram and things like that because you can connect so easy with other guys and even girls that hunt as well and you learn so much all just watching videos that they do and there's so much to learn out there and if people are willing to teach, I'll definitely take it on. Yeah, definitely. Social media is definitely a big um, learning curve to getting into hunting. I think um, people getting into hunting these days with having access to Instagram and Facebook and YouTube have a um, real benefit because they're, they're taking so much information on and there's so many great people with YouTube channels and Instagram pages and stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So you you said a little bit earlier about um was it ADA? Are you a member of the ADA? Yeah, absolutely. So the Australian Deer Association, for those that don't know, um, so they run local branches. So I'm part of the Murray Valley branch, which yep. is obviously in the east, um, and that's it's a great organisation. There's a lot of old old guys there, which I find is awesome because they've done it for. 30, 50 years, um, and they've got so much knowledge and they're always willing to teach you things, which is awesome. And, like, they just love it. They live and breathe. A lot of them are retired now. Um, so they, they do it nearly every day, uh, which is awesome. So I just got a young pup and I went out with one of them that um, is real good with dogs and he was teaching me heaps of things with, with me, um, young GSP, which was awesome. So I learned heaps of that and just, yeah, you ask some questions and they're just a book full of knowledge, basically. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. Um, like for in South Australia for a long time, there was a real stigma with the ADA. Um, but in recent years, um, people like the Senate mate guys, um, Josh Haynes and a few other people, they've all, um, 
become big in the ADA and um, from what I've heard things are changing and it seems to be a lot better for uh, beginner hunters rather than the stigma that it used to have years ago just as like an old boys club so that's it's great to hear that um, more people getting out there and um, the ADA is benefiting people. The only disappointing thing, especially around here, there's so much hunting. Like, I could drive, well, obviously behind my house, but I could drive before and, like, you drive out of town half an hour and you'd be in the bush. So with that, though, it's, there's so many people that hunt, but in our group, there's not a lot of young people, which really annoys me and frustrates me because I know there's a lot of people hunting, but why aren't they helping these associations to get bigger so they've got a bigger voice so we can get more land to hunt we can do more accessibility and have more rights basically but this it's just annoys me that these old guys have been in it for so long and they're the only ones holding it together yeah like, there's not many young people part of it which really annoys me i don't understand why so that's why i try to push it towards other people like join one if you like you learn so much and the knowledge is there it's not gonna last these guys aren't gonna be around forever uh, and that's gone there might not even be that association around, so... Yeah, no, that's that's definitely a good point. Um, get over to the ADA website and find your local branch and go down to one of their yeah. their meets and have a well, chat. They club hunts, they do, they do a lot of giveaways, we do award nights, um, we do heaps of things. Like, it's not just you're a member and that's it. Like, we have normal nights where they do giveaways and... Heaps of things, like it's awesome, and it's yeah, it's good community. We go down the rifle range as well to shoot guns, we do competitions. It, like there's heaps of things you do. It's not just being a member. There's there's positives. You yeah, there's heaps of things out of it. I want a gun out of it, for instance. Like it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. So you'd say you'd probably change your top beginner tip to go join the ADA or find a local hunting club yeah. to join. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what would be your top five items for a beginner? Uh, but for hunting? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be definitely... Obviously, you need camo, clothes and whatnot. I would definitely get onto like of what you can afford. The best, I always say, the best what you can afford... So the best boots that you could afford, that might be say, $100 or $200 boots. Um, I started with boots like that. Now I've got Lauer boots, which are probably a bit dearer. But you've got to work your way in it. You've got to make sure you enjoy it first because I've got no guys that say, for instance, fishing. They might say, yep, get into fishing. I'll go spend three grand, four grand on all this gear, and then they fall out of it in a month. Yeah. So especially with hunting, if you're not – if you're new to it, just start on the basics. Just start on cheaper things and you might not enjoy it in six months and then you didn't waste all this money. So buy what you can afford, what you can justify. So, yeah, whatever boots you can afford. Um, a backpack, obviously, with a, preferably like a bladder so you can obviously got water in it and whatnot. Um, a, a good knife, like you work your way up. Like Robert Herbert does some really good knives. They are on the dearer side, so they might be something. Obviously, when you enjoy it more, you will get one of those down the track. He's I didn't a, buy one straight away. That Zoe Zippery is coming out now. That looks, that looks like a yeah. wicked, wicked blade. Yeah, that's probably more something for more of an experienced hunter because obviously you're shooting more deer, so you're going to need a better knife. Um, 
So for starters, it might just be a cheaper knife, to be honest, and a, and a sharpening blade. Um, binos. Well, I started off with binos. I think they were about $50, to be honest. Just something so I could, like, they probably weren't even binoculars, to be honest. They're probably just glass. You can see something at the same distance. Um, but, yeah, binos. So then you're just getting used to stopping and looking, stopping and looking, uh, so you're not just walking flat out. They're definitely and a just a rifle changer. you can afford with. Yeah, yeah. And then probably just maybe a rifle you can afford with a half-decent scope. You probably only need to spend three to $500 for a decent scope. And what would be for, your, for the, sorry for Victoria? What would be your um your caliber you would recommend? I know you said earlier three oh eight. Would that be your recommended yep. caliber? Because yeah, yep, three oh eight for sure. Yep. Because what uh, Samba's two seventy? That's the Samba legal rifle, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. With with. With a three oh eight, you can shoot anything with basically. You can shoot, yeah, any class of deer. I've shot boxes with them, which they make a bit of a mess. But you can, it's a variety gun. You can shoot anything. It's not a huge gun like I say a thirty oh six or a three three eight, which I know guys that run them pretty high, so they can punch through deer. Yeah, and the deer keeps going. I found three oh eight always pulls up, which is what you want because uh, you don't want the exit because they can run all day though, Samba. So. They can. They're a, they're a tough animal, that's for sure. So, zombie apocalypse weapon. It'd have to be like a Black Hawk helicopter or something ridiculous. <laughs> but I've always, when I was a kid, wanted to fly one. It'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, something like that would be nuts. Big bloody uh, machine guns on the side. Just feeding bullets right out <laughs> missiles bit impractical but it would be good fun that's for sure <laughs> yeah. what have you forgotten on a hunting trip probably toilet paper which is a silly one but yeah paper is probably an absolute necessity because when you don't have it you need it when you have it you don't yeah yeah um, I've, that's something I always carry double of um you know, I've gone out yeah. and come back with no socks and no neck gaiter and <laughs> yeah. like it's good it's good to clean your hands after you're done. Like it's good if you cut yourself, it's good obviously if you need to go to the toilet, if it's if you need to wrap something up, it's good for everything really. Wipes wipes are the same, they're good to clean things while you're out there. Clean your knife. Yeah, since since having a kid, baby wipes are essential in my pack these days. <laughs> I'll be having a whore bath over on Snake Island, that's for sure, with with wet wipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's all I had. Yep. What's the most important item you take out hunting with you? Uh, well, you obviously always got to have water. Um, probably not my answer, but yeah. Always got to have water with you, no matter where you go. If you're going for a half an hour, now, always take a couple liters of water because you never know. You might track a deer and you keep going, goes over the next ridge, the next ridge, and before you know it's nearly dark and you cage ten k's from your car. Yeah. So definitely, definitely water. Um, and depends where you're going. Always take a gun because if you go 
I gotta go to a lot of spots where there's wild dogs and whatnot and could have some protection. Have you, have, you, have you had too many run-ins with... Pain. Sorry. Have you had too many run-ins with wild dogs? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a heap, which is... Um, I used to go set me trial camps and not take a gun, and then I started getting followed by some dogs up the high country. I thought, nah, nah, bug this. I'll be taking a gun every time I go. So, um, yeah, I've seen a heap of dogs. Shot a few, got a few on cameras. Uh, seen a couple of alpine dingoes, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, they're around everywhere. If you're quiet enough, you'll see a lot. What seems to be the temperament on the ones that you run in on? Oh, they're always curious. They always come to check you out. I haven't had any like want to go me, which I don't think they do too much of, but they're always, because they're so curious and hungry for a feed, they'll always check you out. Like I've had them follow me circle me working back and forth off known people they go fishing and they see them on the other side of the river and then then they're behind them and yeah they're really curious animal so you got to be careful do you find that um helicopter culling increases their number because there's so much food around after they go through and do a cull yeah for sure i think it's um made them bloom to be honest because um they're free feeds everywhere. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy thing. Yeah, and uh, I think um, like gunshots even sound silly, but when they hear a gunshot, they come into it. But I've had that before. I took my young dog out and we shot a fallow. And oh, as I was walking into it, I seen a dog run across. Big black dog. Oh, my gosh, shit. And this was in the afternoon. It's probably maybe an hour before light, uh, before the sun went down. So I was cutting it up, cutting all the legs, and I could hear howling flat out. I'm like, oh, shit. I just tied the dog real close to me because she was only, I don't know, maybe three months old, three or four months old. So she was only small. And I thought it was a good dog was going to grab her for sure because the howling just get closer and closer and just going flat out. I already seen a dog. So basically just cut all the legs off and what I could, just carried it all out, quickly dragged my dog along with me. Um, but that was pretty, that was pretty the scariest thing, yeah. That's insane, that's insane. Uh, have you gone out and actually just targeted dogs and by themselves, like tried calling them? Uh, or? Yeah, a couple of times. I found that Santa caller, calls me pretty quick. Oh, cool. I went, um, got where our new dogs were, and we were pretty much looking for dogs, so we sat down. Sorry, my dog's having a drink That's of water. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we sat down and probably blew that caller and within maybe 30 seconds, there was two dogs maybe 25 metres away from us. Yeah, cool. Just sitting there and it was the thickest stuff ever and we did not hear them come in at all, which was so scary. So I just sat there looking at us and then my cousin uh, shot one, which was pretty cool. That would be fun calling them in of... Um... When I went over to Mexico, I called in some coyotes and shot one. Um, so I, I could kind of imagine hunting them would be like the equivalent of hunting coyotes over. Yeah, over they're just the so quiet that they can pop up behind you and so quick, it's unreal. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'd, I hope to have some good run-ins with them where I get to shoot them. I don't want any of the <laughs> become said- becoming prey. Yeah, I see a lot of people because they're like a pack animal. 
like they see five, six. I'm like, that's pretty scary. I've never seen that many. Um, I've had one big one, which was pretty scary. I shot a stag. Um, one of those amber I shot on my Instagram and a really prone wild dog area and it's after the bushfires. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to come back to this thing and leave a carcass. And I'm going to come back next week and I reckon there'll be a dog on it. I was coming back, coming over the rise and sure enough, this massive mangy looking dog was on it. Almost like the size of a German Shepherd. It was huge. Eating, and I was trying to get me, fo- I was probably maybe uh, 60 metres from it like half behind a tree and I tried to get my phone out to video it and um, I stood on a twig and it just looked straight at me and just stared at me for probably, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds and I just froze. I couldn't even press the film button and then um, it looked down, kept eating and then, um, yeah, I was stepped back and the twig snapped back <laughs> back up again because it off and just looked at me, started running. I'm like, holy shit, just let it shot off. I ran off, started howling, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I started following it for probably 10, 15 minutes, and I heard it howling, and then I heard another howl from a different dog and a different dog. This whole valley just lit up, and I was probably 10 k's from my car. I'm like, nah, I'm turning around. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. That was pretty- it would be cool, but it's... Was- yeah, nah, not for me. <laughs> not by myself, anyway. Yeah, it would be... Yeah, just camping out there and hearing that off, you'd be, you'd be oh, wanting to do, sleep yeah. with some type of protection. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of coming camping that before, and yeah, they howl all night long. That's, Pretty scary. That's nuts. What's the uh, most sketchy, dangerous thing that's happened to you out on a hunt? Um, oh, probably scaled a rock face because somehow there was a bloody fellow casty on one. <laughs> I was just standing in glass. I looked like to the left of me, this real steep rock face, and I was like, what is that? And I looked through my binos, and I was a bloody casty. <laughs> and I was really casty, actually, a good palm on it. And, um, yeah, went went across and got it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, might as well look for the other one. And just looking around, trying to scale this rock face, looking for another casty, and it was pretty dodgy. Like, one slip, I would have slipped pretty far. <laughs> Uh, anything for a casty, they they tend to be one of the biggest prizes while you're out. Yeah, yeah I was stoked with it completely. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fun. I don't know if it just like fell off its antler and it fell down this cliff or what the go was with it. Yeah, they it's pretty cool. They can get into some crazy country, that's for sure. Yeah, right. A real goat goat country is steep ass. <laughs> that's awesome. What about the funniest thing that's happened to you while you've been out? Um, funny thing. Don't know. Probably a few beers around a campfire, talking stories of what happened during the day. Probably while we're out hunting, it's yeah. probably the best. Having a good laugh, and if you tripped over or if you missed a good deer or something like that, <laughs> is usually good around a campfire. A few beers late at night. Yeah, there's nothing better than that. Uh, that hunter's campfire mentality, sitting around and just having a good laugh at everything that goes on. That's what I just love about camping is just sitting around the fire and talking and having a few beers. It's bloody awesome. I love it. I just think about it all the time. Yeah, it's it's definitely a um, resetter, that's for sure. You're sitting around there and it just resets everything. Yeah. What about your top five dream animals? 
Um, I really want to focus on shooting a good representative Samba um, stag this year. Like a 30 would be awesome. I'd be happy with the 28 plus. Uh, but yeah, a good. I'm more of a person like a good representative of the animal. So, for instance, the whole deer, like it was really nice and even, good symmetrical. I'd love that. So in a Samba, I should have good red. That was um, 12 points. I'd love if. In my fellow, some people like the tall antlers. I like an antler with a big palm on it. I think that's a good representative of the animal. So it'd be a yeah, good good samba, thirty inch, um, a really nice representative fellow. Doesn't mean if it means two thirty double points, just a good representative of the animal. So would you go overseas to? Uh, I'd love to shoot. Would you go overseas to chase a big fellow, uh, or would you try and get one on home soil? Yeah, I'd probably wait till I shoot one here in Oz, um, then then go over there. Um, I'd love to shoot a good. I'd, I'd like to do Australia first, so Rusa, Chittle, um, then go over there do a Seeker and a Tar and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm more of a deer person. Like I, I'm not a big game animal man at the moment. Seeker, like a, a bear and moose, fancy just yet. Seeker, sure are so, Seeker are so fun to chase. Make sure you get over and chase them during the rut. Like, it's, the sounds they make are just incredible. Yeah, I've heard them. They're lovely animals. They're cool-looking animal too. They're big, big animals. Yeah, they're, I, I missed three three Seeker with a bow and turned down a all-right stag with a rifle at 80 metres. It was like the second day. I'm like, oh, no, I'll, I'll get something. And, yeah, went home and empty-handed. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll get back over there one day, and um, that's why pretty much any antlered, antlered deer that walks out on Snake Island, I'll be uh, letting letting a bullet or an arrow fly. <laughs> a lot of guys on Snake Island, because a lot of guys will scout, do scouting beforehand, yeah. or, or have been there before, like just taking photos. I know a lot of guys that think, yeah, I know there's a bigger one here. Waits, 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 and I don't shoot anything. So, um, yeah, anything over 12 inches, I'd be shooting every day of the week. Yeah, it's it's hard to say till I get over there because I've, you know, heard stories and spoken to people, but really I've got no, no idea of what to expect over there. So it's just going to be like, you know, if I'm seeing lots of deer walk out, you know, I might... <laughs> Might not shoot the first yeah. one I see. I might give it a day or so. <laughs> it's um, afternoon, which is good. Yeah, beautiful. Um, did you uh, see many they're, over they're there? Or? No, I only saw the two. So I shot one in the after the first afternoon, um, which was maybe five. I think it was five thirty, and then. Yeah, I only saw the two, so it was a donor stag at five thirty. I think some other guys seen a few. I know they seen a lot of them the Sunday before, so you can go the day before and set up and whatnot, or, or, or yeah, get over there, uh, which most people do. But you can't hunt until Monday. Yeah. And you were the second period um, last okay. time, or third period? Yeah, I was a, I was a, initially an emergency. Okay, so the fifteenth. And then, yeah, I drew, drew a period. 
first second second period. That's beautiful. Yeah, they say that um, drawing an emergency is a a real good good chance. Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people pull it out, which um, sounds odd, but I think the circumstances they do. Yeah, it's 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 something like because they you can't really pick when you hunt. They go these are the dates that you're hunting, and that's it. So yeah, if the you... worst bit about it is you can't really pick where you're hunting. Yeah, because a lot of the guys will work out where they're hunting beforehand. So, for instance, when I went, everyone worked out where they're hunting, and I kind of got the last spot, which worked out good. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get to pick where I was hunting. It uh, worked out better than good, I'd say. You uh, got a really <laughs> good stag. <laughs> I shot the best deer and shot it first, so I was pretty right. How many inches was did did that one go again? Uh fifteen and three quarters. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Identical, identical on both sides. Yeah. So I think within a fourth of an inch or something. No, a, one. One quarter, I think it was. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, like, millimetres being identical. That's that's incredible. Yeah. I um seen a wicked bow shot one there. I reckon it was from last year. Instead of growing up, it grew out and up. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I think he shot that, lost it, and he found it the next day or a couple of days later. Yeah. Yeah, that that was an incredible deer. If I if I see a mongrel like that, that's <laughs> there's photos of them. There's some pretty cool ones. And if you go to Sunday Island, they've got some real cool ones. Mounted up. Yeah, I heard they got some uh, some nice ones in pens and that over there, and they got some samber and, and fallow over there in pens as well. Um, I don't know about samber. I know they got they got like Hungarian fallow and they're bloody. Rippers, like some nice fellow over there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, how did you find the? Did you you went to the info weekend? Yeah, I went. That was awesome. It was a bloody best thing I done. Really, it's so much knowledge. Um, which because I, I know, as you assume yourself, like there's not much knowledge. Well, sorry, not much information they give you leading up to it. That was huge. Like. Being a first time going to that, that tells you so much. It's like an eye opener to like this thing's full on. It's real. I've got to organise all this stuff myself. I've got to do this, do this, and um, got to be somewhat survival skills. And because you're, you're there by yourself, basically, if something happens to you, you're on an island by yourself with a couple other guys, which are probably k's away from you. So. There's no vehicle access. The golf's quite hard to get boats through. Like big boats can't get through. Yeah. So it's pretty full on with getting there and off and being safe. Uh, so the Sunday Island was hugely impactful for me. I learned so much, which was good. And, and the people you talked to, like Ron Mays, for instance, he he's basically set the whole thing up and he's been there a few times. I don't think he's ever been able to hunt it because he hasn't been drawn. But just some, the way they move and all that kind of stuff. And they take you around and show you a few of the hog deer in pens so you get an idea of... Yeah, well, even that, like, we we just done walks of the island, we'll just see them, like, not even in the pens. Yeah, cool. And, like, 
these pens are huge, like the ones that they've got in. But like we were just walking around the island and you'd see them like just feeding. And there was one night it was windy as, and we walked around this corner. And it was just like a, a zone of silence. It was just no wind whatsoever, and there was just heaps of them feeding there. So like you'd think there'd be no deer. Loving it. It was awesome. Are the numbers better on Sunday Island compared to Snake Island, or? Nah, nah, not at all. But no, I think they're more used to people because obviously there's people, there's cabins and whatnot there. Yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. Um, so top five dream animals, I think we're still on. I think you went what Samba, Fallow, Samba, Fallow, Rooster, Chittle, and probably a Seeker. Yeah, wicked, wicked. Yeah, um, yeah, Seeker just. Incredible. I haven't had the chance to hunt uh, Rusor or Chittle yet either, but, um, yeah, Seeker were just insane. Like, because I hunted um, Samba afterwards, like, the size of a Samba, the way that they cruise around silently and quietly, like, yeah, um, yeah the, the Seeker are just on another level because, you know, they're about the size of a fallow, maybe a little bit, bit smaller, um, yeah. for the hinds and then a little bit bigger for the stags. But, yeah, just the, the way that they move through the, the country over there is just incredible. What made you want to go over there and hunt them? I uh, just got chatting. Just always... No, I, they weren't even on my radar um, until, like, four months before I went over there. Just I was chatting to one yeah. of my mates over there and he said, come over during April. And I said, all right, and, yeah, went over there. <laughs> that's awesome but yeah they're just they're... sorry you cut out there what was that sorry did he live over live over there or just yeah yeah he's out? he's up on the north island right up the top so yeah he'd chased him a few times before and met me at the airport oh, cool. drove us down to taupo and went out and yeah it was some of the it was the hardest hunting i've ever done and it was just different. Yeah. Like, um, those Kiwis yeah. are built different and they can move through that that terrain. Just insane. I was struggling to keep up and I was probably at the peak of my fitness then. And, you know, this guy's got a, a can of jacks in one hand, a smoke in the other and leaving me for dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the, the sounds that they make are incredible. Like, just... Like you're hearing. Is that when they run? Yeah. Yeah. April. Yeah. Yeah. And they do the they do the the squeal and the hee haw and all of, like they make a few <laughs> different sounds and it's just it's so good. If you know old deer, you wouldn't know what they were. You're like, what is that noise? Yeah, it's it's one I of the stop. it's one of the weirdest sounds. I'm not sure if you'll be able to see hear it, but give us a sec. And I got one of the recordings of. One of the stags. Yeah. And they, yeah, that's that's off filmed off of my phone, and they just go absolutely nuts. That's so cool. Is it similar to like they go different areas, or they kind of just in one spot? Or uh, so where we were, it was like we were hunting edges of paddocks and hunting them as they were coming out of the paddock overnight into the into like the thick scrub type type area and yeah they'll just sound off like you'd hear one sound off and then another one sound off and yes 
but they make like three or four different different roars and sounds so it's just incredible that's cool it it, it was very cool and yeah i found so many casties <laughs> yeah yeah i think i brought about probably about 14 kilos of casties out with me and <laughs> i just taped them what, to my there or something what was that sorry does no one pick them up over there or I, I think they're just that thick in the area i found i found probably about three dead heads and i just hacked the hacked the antlers off of the dead heads and then yeah just heaps of casties and broken off bits and pieces so yeah i just taped them all to how many you reckon? how many what sorry how many how many antlers a lot do you reckon you would have got probably about oh, probably 15 or so maybe a few more um i've probably got about five or six that i brought home with me yeah and yeah, that, cool. that was, it was, it was so good. And then, you know, a couple of the hunting cabins I stayed at on private property, I left, left one there and then at another mate's place, left another there, you know, just leaving my mark. <laughs> yeah. The small ones, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, a couple of different, cause they just have all different antler configurations, a few mongrel heads. Um, so left a few of them out there too. Um, what would be your favorite yeah. thing to, Cook with hunted hunted game. Um, I like the just something easy like your schnitzel. Schnitzels are always good, or like your jerky. Um, like the I've been with the bald chef a few times, and he does an awesome shank. Yeah, like it's believable the stuff he cook. Uh, but yeah, something I just do like with myself and my partner, we just do. Snitzels, nice and easy. Cook heaps of them up, freeze them. Uh, like you crumb them. They're so easy to do and they're really tasteful. So. Yes. Or sausages as well. Do a big mix of They're easy to do as well. Um, but I really want to have a go at doing some It's probably this year too. So. Yeah, I need to get down to Hainsey and get him to show me actually how to make sausages and salami. <laughs> he bloody wizard or everything. He bloody oh. makes unreal stuff it's bloody awesome he's the dude's got the energy of a crackhead like he's just on the go constantly <laughs> he does he stops and sleeps and that's about it he <laughs> loves um what about you he loves the, the bangers the music <laughs> oh dude it's it's i i did not expect him to like that type of music until i went out and hunted with him and you're just cruising around like when we we're spotlighting we we're just cruising around and he's just got yeah doof doof going and it's like yeah no nah, i did not uh, did not expect this <laughs> so how do you see the public views on hunting and hunters um how the public view us yeah yeah uh, i guess it would vary depending on the knowledge they know or have come in contact with hunting, I guess. Like, depending, like, obviously landowners are going to know more than, say, the average Joe Blow in, in town. just depends on how, how they've been associated around with it. Like, I know people that are all for it, and if I shoot, they're like, oh, bring us some meat around and all that kind of stuff. They don't hunt, 
much or anything, but then I know people that don't want a bar of it. I think it just depends on what perspective they have and what they've run into with it. Like I know some farmers that absolutely hate it because they've probably had poachers there before where some guys absolutely love it. Like I go to some properties and it's like, I know you're probably the same as you go on the property. I feel like I'm so grateful for you letting me on there. Like, I've got properties and they're grateful for me going there yeah, to yeah. help with you and things, which I just think is so odd because I'm like, I'm the one that's doing what I want. Like, I'm hunting the deer, which I, I love. Yeah, one of the, like, proper- the one, one of the properties I go out to, I'll, you know, I'll crack a window if it's a bit hot out and I'll come back and there'll be all, like, mixed produce and jams and pickled yeah. stuff and all that on my front seat all homemade and you know they'll get me to come out they'll be like oh you know rabbit numbers are tearing up my gardens could you please come out and you know they'll be trying to you know offer me dinner or we'll stop there in the morning and they'll you know bring out bread and sandwiches and coffees and always so thankful and they'll <laughs> you know that we oh. That's not that's unreal. Like it's it's it just seems weird because it's like we're doing what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I've even had one. Like, oh, I'll I'll buy you ammo for you. I'm like, no, don't be silly. Like I enjoy this. Like it's not a job. I enjoy it. Yeah, that property that I go to, you know, we'll get asked to go shoot. You know, stuff when it gets out of proportion, numbers are out of control, and they're like, oh, we'll buy you ammo, and it's like, no, no, you don't have to. Like. Where you're doing me a favor by letting me out there control the controlling the populations of the animals that you don't want there. That's <laughs> no, good. It's, uh, um, it's good to have it. Yeah, it's 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 really refreshing having property owners that are grateful for you being out there. And that seems to be all the properties I have access to, you know, they want you to go out there. They want you to crawl in and say, g'day afterwards. And, you know, one of the properties I hunt, it's um, the dad passed away a few years ago. So it's just the daughter and the mum who, who live on the property. So they don't really, they lease farm it. Um, so they don't really have too much to do with going out there and checking fences and, you know, I know the property like the back of my hands and I'll be like, oh, you know, we pulled out a sheep out of this dam, there's holes in this fence, this gate's not working and, you know, just passing all that useful information on to them. They, they absolutely love it. Yeah, that's awesome. So how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, I just educate people better to obviously what we do. Yep, education. We're not there to to just shoot everything we see. We shoot animals as we need, um, depending on the situation. Obviously, on the property or up the bush. So you're shooting one deer for some some meat for your family, or if you're shooting at a property to eradicate an animal that's doing damage. Yeah. Um, to teach that basically. Yeah, exactly. That's education seems to be the key there. And, you know, once you start telling people that, you know, the government goes through and helicopter culls all the deer in the yeah, area I... and leaves it to waste and baits and all sorts of stuff, it seems to change people's minds on hunting and be more allowing of it. Yeah. And the whole food side of stuff too. People seem to be more understanding of of that than than anything else. 
which is really refreshing. Yeah, I like to see things going to waste. So why, why let it happen? And yes, it's frustrating. Exactly. So, what is hunting to you? Uh, well, that's something that I um, enjoy is like getting outside, getting up the bush, chasing deer. Like I don't even care if I shoot a deer or not. I just like to be out there, to be honest. Um, shooting a deer is a bonus. Seeing one's pretty good too. Um, now I've got a young dog I'm training. That's made it even more enjoyable because to see her succeed as well as me, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd love a hunting dog. Are you just getting her to um, point or are you going to teach her how to blood trail? Or um, Yeah, both, yeah. So been practising with her, just training her with doing scenting and um, yeah, blood trails and wind scenting, all that kind of stuff because she's a pointer, a German shorted pointer. So, um, yeah, she seems to be going pretty good at the moment. That's awesome. It would be a, the next level to hunt hunting i reckon is having a having a dog out there with you just a good companion that listens <laughs> yeah. to be honest was a, to have a companion with me because i was kind of sick like, i like to go with mates and that bill's kind of sick like when you just want to go by yourself to be on your own it's good to have someone else it's a dog but someone there even if you, you're camping by yourself to have your dog and yeah it's good i, I enjoy it no that's great so, tell us a bit about high country hunting gear. Yeah, so that's um, a business I started probably maybe 18 months ago, maybe two years. Um, just obviously, it's a, at the moment, it's a clothing apparel brand, which is just for everything kind of hunting at the moment. I just looked at it as something that you can wear anywhere. So I'm, I'm probably similar to yourself. Most of the clothes I have is to do with hunting yeah yeah my partner buys me um so i thought I'd do something that you can wear anywhere basically apart from camo or or whatnot so something that's comfortable um and obviously price well it's um sourced through australian businesses as well so i get it through local businesses which helps supporting the community um, eventually want to shift to doing like camo and different different products and whatnot at the moment it's just obviously just your standard apparel and started getting into some dog leads and collars and things like that as well um but yeah it's just slowly creating traction and getting more people involved and yeah it's really enjoyable actually for yeah 18 18 months to two years it's had um incredible growth that's for sure you see it in every, yeah. second, every second post these days. Nah, it's good. To, like, it's funny, though, because I always get mates. They like, send me a photo if someone's wearing it or if they're down at the pub and, or they're at the Rodeo or someone's got it. It get, makes me feel pretty good because um, it's not so much for a profit side. It's more of a, an enjoyment and trying to have something out there that people necessarily enjoy. It's definitely good-looking um, gear, that's and- for sure. Yeah, so it's good. I don't know, I just enjoy hunting, so I thought I had to do something to involve that, basically. <clears throat> um, so that's probably what basically started it. And I've seen a lot of things out there. I'm like, I'm sick of having all these Spiker Ridgeline bloody shirts and all this stuff that cost me $60, $80 <laughs> pockets. Why not make me own? 
how'd you come up with the uh, the logo? Um, the logos, yes, I've done. I made both logos myself. Um, just I'm not too bad on a computer, so just a bit of Photoshop, bit of um, creating just some designs. I, I made a few, and that one was probably the best. I thought it stuck out a bit. People seemed to like it. I asked a few people; they thought it was pretty cool looking. So that's what I've stuck with at the moment. I know like, like some businesses change logos throughout. But at the moment, they've been pretty popular. A lot of people comment on it, say they like it. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty standard. It's just the, the Samba antlers to replicate, obviously, the high country with the the H, the H, which is high country hunting, and then the, the hills, which is the high country itself. So I kind of blended all that into one. What about the name? How would you come out about the name? Um. I seem to like it because obviously it's it doesn't just mean a generalised area, like high country. Everyone loves the high country. It's, it's like if you took, if you said some of the high country, you picture the massive hills, yeah. the the rivers. It's it just means everything bush. So instead of being like outdoor or something like that, I thought to create like a picture, which is high country. So it's if you picture high country right now, you'll be thinking of something different to someone else. Yeah. So that's probably kind of created it. Not somewhat catchy, but it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a good, I feel like it's a good name for a business and, yeah. No, it's definitely catchy. What would be uh, some of your, your best-selling merch? What what would you recommend people to have a look at? Yeah. Um, the, at the moment, what's pretty popular are the caps. I've brought out some new, like, striped trucker caps, which are pretty popular. They're selling pretty quick footy shorts. The footy shorts look good, right? Yeah, they're bloody really comfy and they've sold out real quick. I've just got another batch in. Um, what colour do you do those in? Just the black? or you got... just, Yeah, so, I just, so I've only done one. I'm on the second batch, but just to see what they'll turn out to be like. Um, so they're just black and white at the moment, but I want to do some different logos, on uh, different designs, like say like some Samba and there's even Fallow. Uh, maybe some hills on it. Not too sure yet. But just got the first one in because obviously, when the way you do it is we like you bulk buy, so I order fifty of them at a time. Got upfront pay that cost, obviously. Even if it's good or not, and I sort through a local business, so I've got to make sure like they've got to be paid. So, so as myself, so I can't say, oh no, I don't like these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got to be conservative with what you order and get. So I've just done it batch to start with and they were really good and they sold out so quickly so I had to get another batch in so I haven't even had a chance to design a different <laughs> design yet um, that's good but yeah like just the tees there's long sleeves the singlets are pretty popular um, there's hoodies um, yeah but, um, hat tags hats bucket hats um, stickers all that kind of stuff dog collars dog leads to come wicked um, yeah just slowly get no, it's good. You've definitely uh, got right. some great colours. I pretty much only wear those those greens and those tan brown, those desert tan browns, and that. So yeah, it's, it's very appeal- appealing. <laughs> the basic stuff I like as well, and I assume other people do. But yeah, eventually going into somewhat of like a camouflage design would be awesome to design my own eventually. But I'm just trying to create the the volume of people first. 
and then then I've got a point to sell it to. That's definitely definitely good. I'm keen to see what you come out with. That's for sure. Yeah. So, if people have enjoyed what they've listened listened to and heard, um, where can they find you? Where can they find High Country? Yes. Yeah, so most popular place would be Instagram. I do have Facebook as well. Probably Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, so my main hunting account, which is for for myself, which is Dano underscore Hunts with a Z, so D A N O underscore H U N T Z. And then if you want to follow like the High Country page, which is like the apparel, like what I'm posting for gear wise or new products and things like that, um, it's High Country Hunting Gear, or one word. Awesome, awesome. On Instagram, but on Facebook as well, but I mostly post Instagram. I find that the, um, what would you say the word, the audience or, or whatever the word would be is, is better based through Instagram, I find. Yeah, the algorithm tends to reach more people through Instagram from what I've found anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And you don't get all that jargon like you do on Facebook, like all those random videos and ads and all that kind of stuff. I just like to look at the things I'm following, which is Instagram is mostly like that now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely agree there. Um, Instagram tends to be the better platform for following hunting and fishing and all things outdoors. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah, recommend great. heading over and giving you a follow um, and definitely follow High Country as well. It's um, some great merch. Um Yet to get myself some yet, but um, you know I've seen Hainsy in his and um, Josh from Send It Mate in his and Brett is constantly wearing it, so it's definitely getting around. Every every second hunter's wearing it in Australia by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, those guys are um, supporting. It's that's what like the community we like. We we support each other. Uh, like for instance, Matt from Ultimate Hunting Australia, like I helped him a bit and he's helped me with um, with the merch as well and that's just, just to name one without naming a few and it's just like guys helping each other like yourself um, reaching out to people and just connecting with others I think it's what's most important yeah 100% like um, when I when I drew the, the hog deer ballot you've reached out to me and started giving me advice and helping me out um, and I've taken it all on board you know I've set up a little Facebook group chat with all the guys in my, in my period. So it's been good to have a good chat to them and work out what they're doing and stuff like that. So thank you for your help for that. And thank you for jumping on as a guest and chatting all things hunting and snake Island. Absolutely. Anytime. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's great fun. There's nothing more I love than just talking, hunting and fishing. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just this around a campfire, you can talk all night long. Like it's just there's so many avenues and topics you can go down. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's crazy how long some some podcasts can go. Like you just go down run rabbit hole, then down another one, then down yeah. another one, and it just goes so quick. Like it doesn't feel like it's been almost an hour and a half now. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah no. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And um, yeah, we'll definitely chat soon. And good luck on your uh, hog yeah. deer hunt and during the rut. And yeah, I'm all 
organise some hats ever hunting. So. No, I'm definitely keen to see um, how you go, and definitely, uh, I'm definitely crossing my fingers for you to drop a hoggy with a bow while you're over there. That's for sure. I'll try. Are you hunting with the bow over there too? I'm taking it with me. Um, I'm, but because I don't know what to expect, I, yeah. We'll we'll see how I go. <laughs> Something something's gonna hit the deck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just let it. Yeah, if I could work out how to how to shoot both at the same time. <laughs> that's the way to go. <laughs> but yeah, nah, cheers, mate. Have a good night and uh, chat to you next time. We'll do. Cheers, Zach. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Please head over to our social media and give us a follow. Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, Twitter at Hunting Connect, TikTok at Hunting Connection Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please share with your friends and family, tag us in your photos and videos on social media, subscribe, rate and review to help grow the podcast. If you're interested in giving additional support to the podcast you can head over to our podcast patreon page thank you very much for listening and catch you next episode